0: Stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, weekdays twelve thirty to three seven seventy CHQR. This next story is is troubling, but it is also strange. And I think when people hear about this for the first time, there's not an obvious connection. We see these donation bins all over the place where you can drop off used clothing. I I see them at at grocery stores, Uh, I I see them elsewhere. And I mean, the idea is to make it convenient uh, for people to donate gently used clothing and then for these organizations to be able to round it up. But these bins are also being called, described as, death traps. Headline in the National Post this week, why are so many people dying in Canadian clothing donation bins? There was a death this week in Toronto, a 35-year-old Toronto woman. The Death marks the second time in only eight days that a Canadian has died while apparently trying to remove items from a clothing donation bin. It's the third such Canadian death since November, and at least the seventh since 2015. So why are these deaths happening? And what is it about these bins, then, that make them so dangerous? And is there a problem to be solved here? Well, that's where our next guest comes in to the conversation, uh, because he is looking to design uh, a safer donation bin, or at least a bin that doesn't present the kinds of dangers uh, that the current ones appear to. Uh, Ray Tahiri as a senior instructor in the School of Engineering at UBC Okanagan campus. Uh, Professor Tahiri, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. My pleasure. So when did you first become involved in this, or at least aware that there was a problem here?
1: Uh, the first I came to know about this problem was, uh, as you mentioned, that a young lady died in Vancouver, sometimes in mid-July 2018. I teach a course, uh, it's a signature course, uh, first year design, and I always look for projects that are driven by community. So I drafted a proposal, I gave it to my first year engineering students, uh, redesign and rethink these donation bins. They came up with a variety of innovative solutions, and my initial thought was we take these conceptual designs, and I will give it to our fourth-year design next year, September 2019, uh, and then they hopefully they can come up with more refined uh, design. So we did the exact same thing a few years ago with uh, personal belonging carts uh, to helping homeless people. However, these two back-to-back uh, tragic deaths happened it brought more momentum, uh, and then it requires an immediate act. Uh, that's why I'm hoping to form a task force to address this very controversial issue.
0: What, what is it about the current design of these bins that, that create these potential dangers? Uh, I,
1: I have a clinician on board, and I, he's actually in charge of studying all these deaths. And m- most of these deaths happen when the person actually tries to go in. So it's not the fact that he or she is in. It's just an attempt of getting in half way in, half way out. And apparently, because of the fact that it's a very awkward situation, you have most of your weight on your chest and on your lungs, Uh, Eventually, because of the excessive compressive load on your chest, the person uh, gets a lack of oxygen condition, unconscious, and sadly the death is imminent. Uh, This was the case, I believe, in Toronto because the the young lady tried to get inside. She realized that uh, she's in trouble. She was uh, screaming. Someone heard her at 2 o'clock morning. They called police. Obviously, they came as soon as they could, but it was too late, and she was pronounced dead. Uh, I, I think there is a need for redesigning them. Eventually, uh, cities and municipalities, they should come with a unified design, and everyone should you know, comply with that design. But until then, um, I guess removing these bins are an option, but first of all, it costs millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And secondly, these bins actually does serve good for community. Millions of dollars of revenue comes from these bins, which should be spent for the same community. In Vancouver alone, every year, over 20,000 metric tons of second-hand clothing been collected. And if we don't have these bins, so how you want to recycle those 20,000 metric tons? Uh, I think the best would be, for the time being, we seal them and we... To remove all the content, obviously there is no incentive for anyone to climb in them. And then we find the retrofitting solutions for these bins, unfortunately there are several types and several variation of design and mechanism. We came up with some solution already. I mean, they are very uh, in a preliminary stage. Number one makes it more difficult to get in. Number two, if someone managed, partially gets in, there should be a detection mechanism shows that this is not a closing bag being dropped. This is a human and right away the dispatch police. Uh, Again, it could be a mechanism that if they manage to get completely inside, They can open the door from inside. And last but not least, statistically, most of these tragic deaths happen during the nighttime, 2, 3, 4 o'clock morning. On the other hand, most of the donation happens during the daytime. So there is no need for any access during the night. We can design a self-locking mechanism that completely locks these bins from, let's say, 9 o'clock p.m. to 8 o'clock a.m this itself would significantly reduce the chance of somebody getting hurt Uh, one thing I would like to add is that we have to include the community of homeless people into the discussion. I think they have been excluded. And one of my, you know, kind of like intention is, we have also uh, social study professors that she's expert in this area. We have to bring them on board, ask them why this is happening. I mean, if someone for $10 a bag is willing to risk his or her life, I can guarantee we have a more fundamental problem than a donation bin.
0: Yeah. Uh but, but yeah, and just to be clear then, all, all the changes you're talking about that could be done could be done to the existing bins, retrofitting them as opposed to having to replace all of them.
1: That's correct. For the time being, and because replacing 10,000 bins across Canada it costs tens of millions of dollars. For the time being, that would be a solution which is much cheaper than removing these bins where you want to store them, what can you be done, are you going to recycle them, or you want to return them. The, the whole process would be in exponentially higher than retrofitting them at the location.
0: So how long do you think it's going to take to to roll out a solution and get something in place across the country?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, first of all, we need funding uh, for this project. Uh, I mean, I I work on a volunteer base, but students and fabrication costs, evaluation materials, it costs money. I already uh, forwarded uh, a proposal to all the stakeholders, some of the stakeholders, and they have to perhaps chip in uh, as soon as we get the funding, the first next step would be we ask to send a couple of those bins, and are again, maybe four or five types of bins, and we work on them individually. Uh, I don't think we can find a one-fits-all solution, but it won't take more than a month or so to work on each of them. So it, it should not take too long as long as the project is funded. And we don't much, much money. Okay. It's just a fraction of the cost of removing them can be spent for retrofitting them for the time being to you know, stop people from getting hurt.
0: Yeah. Well, and some organizations, in fact, have removed their bins.
1: Yes, I yes, think. I, I think they have, and I don't know what they are doing. Like, some organizations have only about a handful, 10, 15 of them. I think that would be easier solution. They can restore them. They can, you know, recycle them. But there are organizations, like, for example, um, I was just Canadian Diabetic Society or the Salvation Army, they have thousands of them. For them, it's going to be financially uh, very difficult to remove all of these. Like, what. These are not matchboxes. They are gigantic phone booth sizes. I mean, in some cases, you have to stop the traffic to bring a special, you know, truck and crane to lift them. So we have to really think about the cascade of problems that it may cause if we decide to remove them.
0: Very interesting. Professor Tahiri, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.